Hey guys, this is Chargers running back Joshua Kelly, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Much love. Aight. Here's what's coming up this week on the Charged Up Bolts podcast. I am already fired up. God, what is happening? What has happened here? What? What? I've got a knife at the back of my neck. <laughs> Club chopping counter drinks are free. And pooped out. Anthony Lee should be fired! Hello and welcome to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Bermudez, and on this podcast we bring you the latest Chargers news, we preview and review every Chargers game of the season, and we bring you the hottest takes around. Some of them come off, we're going to hear about those, some of them don't. <coughs> was. Um, so, Sweet Week fired. brought to you... <laughs> Sweet Week brought to you and sponsored by Was Waters, officially gone. It's been broken. The Chargers are one and one following a very close overtime loss to the reigning Super Bowl champions. But it doesn't feel like a negative. It doesn't feel like a cloud hangs over the organisation. We're pumped up because, you know, our new superstar, Herbert, started, almost led us to victory. We, we dominated on defence and we took it to the Super Bowl champions, who have blown away everyone else by double-digit figures. So... I think there's a positivity around us rather than being down in the jumps, guys. Um, we're going to be reviewing the game. We'll look f- forward to the Panthers game that's coming up this week. And we'll be answering your hard questions, which I think are going to get heated this week. As always, I'm joined by three amazing co-hosts. First off, Mr. Overconfident, John Moss Jr. Uh, forget forget the football. I just want to know what Dan's drinking. <laughs> he's hiding it from us so he's obviously got something up his sleeve Uh, um, I'm also joined by the man who demands Anthony Lynn is fired immediately John Ayres Uh, I I wouldn't go that far but yes it's good to be here Uh, and lastly it is Dan where's my Herbert Jersey King October 9th that's the that's the day they've got happening uh, <laughs> well, we had we'll the be poll, in higher demand now, so we'll see. Well, people, people on the poll thought your jersey would arrive first, didn't they? And uh, however, you know, Herbert started before it came. So uh, you and me both waiting probably till twenty twenty one, knowing my luck. Um, what are we drinking, Dan? Um, so I've gone for a Tiny Rebel Club Tropica. It's a tropical IPA, uh, mango and pineapple. Is that it? And it is fantastic. Club Tropicana drinks are free. So it's, it's Club Tropica, probably for <laughs> do, for copyright do reasons. Do you subscribe to um, randomdrinks.com? Nope. <laughs> nope. I've just had this. We, we've got a pretty good, um, pretty good pub in Colchester that I've tried this at previously, and I saw it in the local supermarket, and I was like... I'm all over this. This is a bit of me. <laughs> well, what you I've want. got a nice cup of Rosie Lee for you uh, on the other side of the pond. That's Cockney slang for a cup of tea with a bit of water on the side. <laughs> and co- and a in kettle a kettle, not a microwave, yeah. my point out. Uh, and John Ayres, sort it out. Please tell me uh, you uh, are doing us proud with coffee. Oh, you know it. Oh, you know it. I mean, after a wonderful... Nay, amazing debut by the future leader of the Bolts, Justin Herbert. I had to go top shelf with a coffee today. I had to bring it down. So I have, on special occasions, busted out a little bit of Kopo Lukaki, which I'm not sure if you know what that is, but that is uh, one of the most expensive coffees in the world. Um, It is uh, a coffee that's eaten by an animal called the civet. And pooped out, 
And then fresh I've brewed. Seen it. No. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, much like Justin Herbert's career as a starter, it may have just been eaten and pooped out by Anthony Lynn. So that was why I'm drinking that today. <laughs> oh, it's gonna go. Oh, that is the most incredible, incredible drink. Well, I'm being boring. I'm back on my strongbow because although we've lost, I'm celebrating the start of a new era. Some excitement around the. Uh, the, the football team. Um, let's move on to a, che- uh, a Chiefs review. Let's get to the nitty gritty. We played the Super Bowl champs. You know, everyone, I think, thought we were going to get blown out, apart from Woz. Um, listeners, how did you do? Uh, I ran sort of a Twitter campaign, I, I, a Twitter poll for you all. And there's two things you got right, and I'm afraid two things you got very wrong. Um, our listeners said 33% said the first touchdown would be running touchdown but i'd put a money on it they didn't think it was going to be her but when they did that vote um they also got correct the charges would score 20 to 29 points lower end um but that was that was correct well done listeners but unfortunately you were you got it wrong when you thought the big uh the chiefs were going to win big and they'd score over 30 points i think people have underestimated our defense overlooked the fact that we've held mahomes in check in every game he's played as in his career um same thing happened he wasn't as effective as he, ha- he is in other games, and he won. <laughs> so, um, uh, just uh, we 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 never quite get him, but we, we we always hold him close, and I think we can be proud of that, guys. Our predictions. How did we do? So, uh, Dan, I think you and I were a bit a bit off here. I was three thirty five. Yeah. What were you? I think I was something like thirty twelve, something along those lines. Not <laughs> not high scoring from us, and a bit higher scoring from them. Um, yeah, you but, and I were pessimistic, I think, weren't we? Yeah, but I think I think we um we held a good account of ourselves. Um, what was it? They didn't get the lead until that final kick, and I think that's oh. there's something we can take from that. I didn't realise that. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because of their missed missed kick um, early on, um, they never were ahead. They never were going for a chance to go ahead until the fourth quarter. That is the most charges thing ever. Play yeah. well, Im- impress everyone, and then lose in the last kick of the game. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> so charges. Um, a bit more impressive, John. You got closer. You said 17-24 Chiefs win. So I'm going to give you the prize for the closest person who thought the Chiefs would win. That isn't that bad, John, actually. Not not far off. For a four points, uh, sorry, one point extra for the Chiefs. Three points less predicted for us. But pretty on the money, mate. So well done. Well, I think you. Um, I think you can attribute those three points less that I missed out on for the fact that I didn't have Herbert to start. If anyone was started, I would have said twenty. You would have been nailed <laughs> it. Um, was though, uh, you know, nineteen twenty was your score. You nailed the amount of points the Chargers got. You knew we'd get twenty points. You're a bit pessimistic on those Chiefs. You get, gave them nineteen and the Chargers winning. Um, they got twenty three and they won. So not bad from uh, the two Johns. Well done, boys. I'm going to give you a pat on the back. But can I just say? To you guys, and more importantly, the people on Twitter that gave me massive amounts of grief and laughed at me. I said Herbert would be our quarterback by week three. He was our quarterback by week two. Um, It was incredible to see him. We were all giddy. I think the entire fan base was excited. Can you imagine what that young man went through when he stepped onto the field and got whispered in his ear 10 seconds before kickoff? Yeah, you're starting, mate. Can you imagine? I don't don't know know who was more shocked. The audience, or Matt Money Smith and Daniel Jeremiah in the uh, play calling box. Uh, it's just wow. Um, I mean, if anybody's watching on Game Pass, which most of us are, if it works, 
there is no build up to the game. You just it's there. You know, you're about to take the the, the first snap of the game. It's like wow, you know, it was a, it was a massive shock. Um, I, I don't think I recall breathing in the first half. Uh, trying to do the game <laughs> notes, watch the tape, obviously the live tape, uh, run the charge up bolts uh, Twitter feed. Uh, and then interact with you guys, uh, getting told off by my wife for being, uh, let's say, overexcited. Oh, it was it was it was brilliant. It was, and, it was abs- and yeah, and drinking water. water. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, well, I'm going to kick off then with uh, with with Dan, mate. Um, I want to hear what your biggest takeaways from the game were. What did you like? What did you not like? I mean, it's it's hard to not like what Herbert put out there. Um, just as you've mentioned just pure giddiness for that first at least first drive where you're just like oh my god what is happening what has happened here what 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 um and yeah so just just seeing the offense be able to move the ball um not just through the air i mean he herbert had what 311 yards passing but the fact that we had over 180 yards rushing as well um it was fairly balanced and we actually moved the ball, which we hadn't done against the Bengals. Not to the same extent, anyway. Um, so I think that's my my positive. My negative is the uh, same as last week, actually. When it comes down to the end of the game, and we're on defense, we get fairly conservative. I mean, you had, I think it was Adderley making the tackle on Mahomes uh, on their final drive before overtime. Um, and started so far back that by the time he made the tackle, it was one yard past the first down marker. And it's just like... Yeah, I get you want to take away the big play, but sometimes you need to go out there and make the stop earlier so that you're not relying on, okay, now we've got three seconds left, let's stop it in the end zone. Completely get you, mate. Um, Was what were yours? I think the first one is obviously the way Herbert um, handled the game. He was literally chucked in at the deep end. Listen, mate, you know... The uh, the groom hasn't turned up. Uh, you're going to marry my daughter. <laughs> Get in there. It was that sort of scenario. Uh, I, I think he did a, a brilliant job under the under the circumstances, and I think the offense just they they seem to sing. They were in um, for most part. They're in sync. They made some good plays. They moved the ball downfield. Um, I think the, the difference maker for me was was Pat Mahomes. Both O lines. Did their job. Both defenses did their job. Both teams ran the ball well. They they made chunk plays when they needed to. For most part, they kept the discipline. I mean, let's look at it like this: when when Herbert scored that rushing touchdown, Taylor possibly could have made that. Philip, if he was still there, Sir Philip Rivers wouldn't have made it. You know, Pat Mahomes, he looked beaten up at um, half time. Coming out of the second half. The Chiefs look shot, but we, we know how good Andy Reid is at changing uh, schemes and, and adapting to situations. And, and his Mahomes played a brilliant game. His skill set, his versatility, his, his knowledge, um, his experience showed through in the end. And I, I think that was a difference. But I, I just, it doesn't feel like a defeat. It just feels like we've turned a page. But, you, you know, that, that page will be. Um, completely turned if we get that win on Sunday we'll move on to that later on but yeah generally I, I was I was quite pleased rookie mistakes you're going to expect that the vets make mistakes and they get torched for it in the media and by the fans so Justin Herbert you know he's got an extraordinary eye uh, IQ 
he will learn from those mistakes. He'll be watching that tape over and over and over. Uh, and he, he can only improve. It's a great way to get a taste of the NFL. First home game at the SoFi against a divisional rival and Super Bowl champ. You know, he stepped up to the mark. He delivered um, for most part. But uh, yeah, I'm quite upbeat about the season going forward. John, over in Costa Rica, are you are you the same? What are your positives? What's your negatives? How are you feeling after after what is a defeat? Are you not really disappointed? I think for me, uh, in general, the offense was a positive. Um, obviously, you know, having Justin Herbert come in without any practice time, without any preparation, without any. Um, you know, first team reps, it just, and to perform like he did is obviously a huge boon and huge positive. You know, it just makes you very excited for, you know, what, what the future holds. Um, you know, as far as the offense in general goes, I mean, they put up almost as, <laughs> as many passing yards in the first half as they did the entire first game. Uh, you know, and you know, the Bengals, I'm sure their defense is fine, but it's not exactly a defense that scares you. The Chiefs generally have a fairly decent defense. Um, so it, to me, the fact that the, the team has made an improvement over week one is a very positive sign. It, it means that things are moving in the right direction. So, um, you know, a, a couple things that I thought were, you know, pretty interesting, um, you know, you know, fourth down efficiency. Chargers were 0 for 2 week one. One for two in week two probably should have been two for three, but we won't talk about OT right now. Um, and, uh, you know, their down conversions, I thought, was was a really strong point for them. They were six of 16 in week one and six for 13 in week two. So a pretty big improvement in both of those areas. And, you know, if you're going to win, uh, you're going to need to be able to convert on third and fourth down. And I think Justin Herbert um, was a big contributing factor that I think he opened up the running game a little bit more. I also saw something I didn't see, you know, in week one, which was him moving through his progressions, checking down when he needed to getting the ball to Eckler. And some of that might've been a scheme. Some of that might've been, Hey, we didn't, we didn't have enough swing passes or dump offs to Eckler. So let's try to get him more involved that way, because guess what? That's when he's his best. But just you know, just seeing that, seeing him run uh, for first downs or for positive yards, just in general, it was. I believe he was the spark plug that really moved this for, uh, offense forward. So that was the biggest positive for me. And for the negative, I think I want to stay on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, for me, the biggest negative is play calling in crunch time again. What happened last week? The play calling gets super conservative, super predictable. Once you get to that, you know, mid to late fourth quarter, you know, Steichen just is just not able to be creative. He gets too afraid and he moves out of the hey, I'm gonna play to win to I'm gonna play to not lose this lead I have. He did the same exact thing against the Chiefs. I mean that they they had a 10 minute drive that could have theoretically sealed the game for them. They get down to the goal line and what do they do? They try to smash Kelly through the middle two times in a row, forcing an obvious passing situation on third down, and then the passing play doesn't really work because guess what? They knew you were running it on first down. They knew you were running it on second down, and they knew you were running it on third down. Why don't you just tell them, hey, this is what we're going to do? No wonder you would failed on all three of those. And guess what they did coming out of receiving the ball in OT? Ran it, ran it, then tried to throw it. Guess what? You're not beating any defense, especially a defense that just won a Super Bowl, by 
running plays that everybody knows is coming. And I, and honestly, if anybody should be on the hot seat after the second week, it should be Shane Steichen. Yes, he had a great first half. Yes, for a lot of that game, he was getting creative. He was doing things I didn't see uh, in the first week. And he was really kind of opening up the playbook to have some fun. And I loved it. I love seeing Joe Reed get involved. I love some of the plays he dialed up. But if you are going to consistently turtle up and become too scared to do anything like that in the fourth quarter or in overtime, and you're just going to become predictable, you're going to lose close games. And he should be fired. And you deserve to lose those games. Exactly. So I don't know. I'm sorry. I just, I I can't. (laughs) He's fired up against his coaching staff. I'm fired. The coaching staff has got me fired up because I think that coming into week three, this should be a win. Just spoiler alert. Week three should be a win. There's no reason they can't beat the Panthers. But I have doubts in that right now because I, I doubt what this coaching staff is going to do in-game. So On that, uh, on that long drive, it was, I, I was, I was, what was going through my mind at the time was defense are off the field, taking a break. That's great. Their defense is now getting gassed. And I was actually doing my victory speech for this podcast. But when we, when we <laughs> felt, like John said, Running um, Joshua Kelly up the middle twice, I was like, "Oh, oh, oh!" And the game just see- from then just seemed to slide away from us, um, and and that has got to be addressed. And yeah, um, I, I don't disagree. Sorry to jump in there, but unfortunately, as well on that passing play at the end of the fourth, when we just finished that drive, you, that was that was one of Herbert's few mistakes where yeah. he turned the wrong way yeah. to hand off the ball. Yeah, and it just kind and of Jack says on Twitter was his down. fault. But my, my question is, you know, the first time we got down there and, and Herbert ran it in, where was that little bootleg, you know, where he's rolling out to the right, he can throw it or run it? Like, that's effective. Yeah. When you make the defense have to have to respect, oh, is he going to run it? Is he going to throw it? Either you're going to get a guy who's going to be open in the end zone because they're going to commit to coming after Herbert, or Herbert's going to be able to run it in again. Where was that created? It, it where was, was the It was the almost as if, out? exactly, it was almost as if when he we made that first bootleg for the for the touchdown, it was in college mode. He just went for it, something that happened to him naturally in the collegiate game. And then it's sort of second half, he's like, I realise where I am now. I'm, I'm, on the, I'm in front of a pro defence, and sort of that hesitation... Um, or that lack of instinct sort of held him back. That's yeah, but but guys, the difference you know, is it's a design play. It's a designed rollout where he's supposed to you know look for his options there. The second time, yeah, he turned the wrong way, but it wasn't the same kind of play. It wasn't the same kind of roll. It was more of a hey, you know, let's do a little play action, see what can get open, and if you need to leak out to the right, like there's a difference between having your quarterback leak out of the pocket versus having your quarterback roll and bootleg out to the right. You know what I'm saying? Like these are two completely different plays. One was designed for him to have that option. One was designed for him to throw the ball only, and that's what happened in the second half. And part of it might have been that interception, maybe stacking got cold feet you know i don't know but i don't think it's on herbert because i think herbert if he saw the opportunity to run it there he would have but yeah. they, he didn't so it, in, interestingly well, i it, asked you know, uh, daniel popper on the athletic about what he what he thought and what his peer group thought about uh, herbert's performance and he came back word for word he played better than pretty much anyone expected i did so under very tough circumstances you know so there's a lot of pluses there uh, from that defeat yeah, but, you know, t- to John's point, there's a lot we oh, didn't yeah. get done with Justin on the field yesterday, and he's a backup for a reason. 
Well, I'll just throw this no, in I'm there. I'm already, I am already fired up. Why are you doing this to me? Listen, guys? listen. You're, you're going to have to. Your audio levels are going to be jacked if you keep coming at me. Like I, that. I have got, I'm I've got going. a knife at the back of my neck. I shouldn't be saying this. I'm, I'm being forced to. Okay. We had the chance to sign two players in the off season. And you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Go on, Mr. Brady, and Cam Newton. Yeah. Okay. And I know we've got Tyra on the cheap, $7 million, is it? But, and hindsight's great. And I, and I was thinking about this all day. I wasn't going to mention it. I have. I'm not going to mention it again. So there's there's another take on this. Or another, you know, that's gone. But Angle. it's there. It was an, um, available for us six months ago. Well, you know, Cam Newton, it makes... Turod look expensive. It, it does, he? but I mean, so, if you uh, saw Cam play on, on, on against the Seal, I mean, he was he's got his fizz back. That he was he was airing he that does, ball down he he's, he's with some up. serious juice on it. Well, you know what? Um, you know, let's get some positives back out of the game. You know, I, I was really excited about how well we can run the ball. Um, I was watching, you know, Tri Turner and, and Dan Feeney dominate in the middle of the line, and I thought even with. Um, my man Pipkins not performing particularly well, um, even with um, you know losing injury players in the offensive line to injury and playing a fantastic Chiefs front, I think the O line handled themselves really well in the run game, um, and I loved to see that. Um, my problem with the game was that it looks when we're protecting the quarterback. Um, at, at, too many of our O-line look, look like they're on skates, getting pushed back. Both Pipkins and Balaga both got pushed back right into Justin Herbert. Um, Try Turner, who was incredible in the run game, I was watching intently and I was quite worried about his performance in pass protection. So what I did, what I will switch that up and say the young man, Herbert, behind a banged up O-line that didn't do a particularly great job protecting him was very elusive. There was one pass, if you know what I'm talking about, where he ducked underneath an arm of a yeah. Chiefs player before firing it down to, I think it was Hunter Henry. And I was like, wow, man, you know, that, that's what, that would have been a sack under Rivers. And I'm not going to start going on the slagging off Rivers train, but we've moved in a different direction. So we're expecting something new and different from both Tarod and Justin. We're expecting them to be able to extend the play with the feet, bootleg out, run for touchdowns and get away from sacks that Rivers would take. The alternative is Rivers is going to hit 400 yards and, and, and fight, well, you know, peak Rivers, find the guys down the field with the lead throwing. I think we saw a lot of that in a raw state with Justin. And my God, am I excited. So charged. There's so two, two passes that he made um, uh, really stood out for me. I think one is in the second half out to uh, Eckler uh, about the four-yard line. And then, obviously, the touchdown pass to Jalen Guy. And I mean, phenomenal. There was, I think there's... Three guys around him there. What that a is, throw that was. That was incredible. That was, that was elite. Yeah. If you guys... G-Money! For any of the listeners out there, you know, something that I hang my hat on is that I sit here and I watch tape and I look at things and I don't just look at stats. And I am not a professional scout. That is not who I am. I wish I were. I'm not. There are parts of the game that are more nuanced than I understand. So what do I do? I go look for experts out in the field. And I'm telling you right now, a guy whose opinion I thoroughly trust is the QB school. So look for him on Twitter. He has, he's got a YouTube channel, uh, the QB school. 
he does a great job breaking down quarterbacks, you know, and and the defenses that they're looking at and saying, hey, look, this is how you should react. These are the fundamentals you should have. So, you know, if, if you're looking to get some insight, I highly recommend you check it out. He reviewed that play, and it just it I, I can't even talk about it the same way he did. Just please go online, look for the QB school, look at him breaking down that play, and you will have you'll be in awe of the throw that he had to make there to make that happen. And the awareness of a rookie to, to recognize that mismatch and take advantage. I mean, it is just lights out uh, an amazing play by <laughs> Herbert. And, you know, it, it just gets me excited. I don't know if I'm excited as Tony Romo was, but I'm excited. Can, can I just, um, Oh, Romo had can, me I, can I just add a, a point him. there? Um, you're absolutely right about Tony Romo, by the way, I could listen to him all day. Uh, yeah, He's brilliant, isn't he? He, he is absolutely brilliant, but I don't know about you three. At no point when Herbert was under centre did I feel nervous at all. Even even from the first snap of the game, I was like, just letting roll. My, my heart was beating with excitement as opposed to sat there in an anxious state. I don't know what you three thought. Are you in the same opinion? I'm with, I'm with you there, yeah. No, no, no um, nerves of, oh my God, this is going to go horribly wrong. Yeah. I was just excited to see what was going to happen. Um, I wasn't expecting him to come out and play that well. I don't think anyone could have expected him to come out and play that well. So it was, it was just lots of, no, lots of shaking from excitement rather than from nerves. I mean, you could even see. I think it was in <laughs> one of Herbert's first passes. Like, I know he's shaking his hands a bit to try and call for the ball, but he just looked like he was going crazy um, with his hands, and I was just like, God, that guy is nervous. What? But he didn't really show it in his play. One problem is, and we're we'll obviously going to get into Panthers game shortly. He's raised the bar, you know. So if he does start on Sunday, expectations are going to go through the roof. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to come on to that, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, in particular, because that's going to be a, a, a hot topic that one listener wants us to go at. And I know we have some different opinions coming up for you listeners later in the show. Um, I want to put it out to you guys. Who are your players of the week? I want to say congratulations. Uh, um, I think, uh, John, you had selected both the defensive and the offensive player of the week that the uh, listeners chose via Twitter. And I think was you jo- you had a joint win with John on one side of the ball. So well done, week one guys. I'm nothing if not a man of the people. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see this week. So um, I'm going to start off with with Dan. You know, you and I didn't get selected by by the public. So I'm going to throw out who is your offensive player of the week. Well, this is this is coming really out of left field here, and you're not going to expect this. But I've gone for <gasps> Justin Herbert. I don't know if, don't know if you really noticed his play at the weekend. Um, that is a great he, pick. I hadn't thought about that. that yeah, is a great that's, pick. that's good. Well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's under the radar, I know. Um, 22 of 33, 311 yards, two touchdowns. Um, I've mentioned already how well I thought he played. Uh, I don't think I could add much more other than saying just listening to Tony Romo gush over him in that first half, especially, um, was just like this... This is this is it. This is where we should be. This is what we should be doing. Dan, um, I think. I, what, mm-hmm. what a time to Dan, be. Dan, I think <laughs> the uh, player of the week, sponsored by Mr. Hollywood's Random Beer Company, will get the nod. Unless, <laughs> so unless I, the public decides to change their mind. <laughs> I, I have been on NFL.com this entire recording, voting for Herbert repeatedly for Pepsi Zero Sugar Rookie of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> He's got to win that. Come on. With his rating oh, of think... 94.4, beating out Joe Burrow's 90.6 this week. Oh, 
mate. We, we, we should have been first pick. I said it all along. Um, you know, we, we, we've got a cracker there. But, you know, let's challenge it. John Ayres, who are you nominating for Offensive Player of the Week? See if you can double up. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think we can overlook how important um, the offensive line was to Herbert. I think he... He looked poised in the pocket. I think part of that is he trusted his O-line to give him enough time to, to do what he needs to do. Obviously, he understands the situation. Um, and he understands that he's going to have to get out of the pocket. He's going to have to get rid of the ball, so on and so forth. But I think there was a, a certain level of ease and comfort having not taken any snaps with the first team uh, in practice. And I think that is highly attributable to the who I believe is the new anchor of our offensive line, and that's Dan Feeney. He has stepped into mm-hmm. that center position. And there, you know, I was a big fan of Questenberry. I, I thought he played adm- admirably last year at center. Dan, would you, Scootsy Keys, Dan, Dan Scootsy Key. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. I mean, I thought he should be our, our, our number two center, not Feeney. And then, you know, the injury happened and they moved Feeney over to center. And I was like, okay, well, I guess he's going to be center now. So let's just see what happens. And he has done nothing but make me feel stupid forever doubting. Dan Feeney as our as our starting center. And to be honest, he's going to sign probably a pretty lucrative deal as far as, you know, as far as he's concerned. I don't think it's going to be any kind of, you know, league setting, record setting offensive line deal. But he's going to sign a very lucrative deal for himself because of his play at center. And I believe he's going to be the center of the future. And I think him and Herbert are going to be working with each other very well for the foreseeable future. So he is my offensive player of the week. It's a great shout. Um, come on, Woz, who have you got? I go for a player that looked very much like the player of 2019. Four targets, four receptions, 55 yards. 16 carries to 93 yards, Austin Eckler. I, I thought he, he showed patience. He, he looked solid. He caused the Chiefs numerous problems. When he when he got the ball, he looked dangerous. He made he made some big plays, and if if that's the player that we can carry going into the rest of the season, we're we're going to get some wins on the board. I was really pleased with his performance. You know what? I I I think there's some great picks. I'm going to defeat all of you this week. The <laughs> listeners are going to come come <laughs> come and help me choose uh, to come and help me win because I'm going for Keenan Allen. Um, and that's because I thought he had an elite performance. I thought he, he, he had great hands, great routes. Um, one thing I loved was that he bailed out Justin Herbert on a couple of passes um, that weren't amazingly thrown. And, you know, he, he caught balls that lesser quarterback, lesser wide receivers would uh, w- would probably put uh, not catch and put their, uh, their quarterback into a tricky situation. He um, didn't... One Sorry, he didn't, look, he didn't look very happy at the end of the game, did he? He sat on the sideline. Wow. Isn't, isn't that what you want? Isn't what you want to see a, a guy that's pivotal to our team's success devastated by a loss? Or would you prefer to see what Lambeau did when we lost to the Raiders, laughing and joking, getting ripped to shreds? So, you know, props. I'm happy with that. Um, but, you know, Keenan Allen showed, you know, there was that one pass that was incredible from Justin Herbert. Um squeezed into a tight window to Allen. But Allen's 50, 50%, if not 60% of that pass, because, you know, he has to get his hands on it, arm, and get the ball down. So he's my offensive player of the week. Listeners, you know, bring it home for me, baby. I, I want this one. Uh, although I don't know, I don't think I'm going to get it with uh, with Dan's uh, nomination out there. But uh, 
Um, let's move on to defensive, and I'll, I'll start. Um, and I'm gonna—I've got an apology. I slagged Casey Hayward off last week. I thought he was given... I can't remember what the award was. He got, you know, Defensive Player of the Week. Yes, was he AFC, AFC Defensive Player of the Week? He was, yeah. And I looked at it and I went, really? That isn't the player I saw. I saw a guy that was targeted, that gave up yards and passes, and he had 12 tackles for a reason, because he missed the tackle, he missed the uh, the coverage, let his guy get get hold of the ball, and... Um, and and was as, and then had to make the tackle afterwards, and and I thought that was disappointing. This week, he pretty much shut down um, any guy he was on throughout the game, um, and you didn't notice him at all, apart from just blanket coverage and getting sacks um, and the like. So you know, I, I respect to you, Casey. I was wrong uh, to doubt you, um, and you've impressed me. So you're my nomination. Um, and I think next, uh, to challenge my nomination, um, I think we'll go to Costa Rica. I think uh, for me, uh, if I'm looking on the defensive side of the ball, I, I think a guy who I've personally been really hard on um, and thought that he really, really underperformed last year. And I said, you know, he has a potential to rise up and make up for last year. And if he does, he would be huge. For the Chargers' success, but I also warned that you know there's plenty of room for him just to never, never show up, um, and that's Jerry Tillery. He has absolutely showed up for both games. He has been huge on that interior defensive line. He's been. I've even saw him take a couple snaps as an edge rusher. I mean, he is all over the field, making plays, creating pressures, getting to the QB. He has been just a revelation. I mean, I, I, I really was worried that we wasted a first round pick on him after seeing, you know, his lack of production last year, but seeing him this year, he looks every bit the first round pick. And, you know, I was, I was, Actually, in a way, not surprised. I guess, you know, subtly, I, I knew that, that he was going to be there making plays. But when I saw that extra point get tipped <laughs> in the beginning of the game, and then I saw it was Tillery's arm who, who went up there, I was not surprised one bit. I mean, he has just been there making plays so far this year in every game, and I could not be more excited for him. So he is definitely my player of the game on the defense side of the ball. Great choice. He's been impressive. Yeah, I'm right with you there, mate. Absolutely. Um, so come on, Was, who's yours? Can I just give, before I give my nomination, I want to give a notable mention to Mr. Linval Joseph. He broke out of that <laughs> defensive line after Pat Mahomes thinking he was Walter Payton. And I was thinking, where are you going? But it just shows commitment how how committed the defence was to win that game. So he gets a notable mention. But my player of the week is Joey Bosa. Um, he was playing through the pain barrier with his tricep. Um, you can see how hard he was working. He got that all-important sack. And at the end there, he was on the sidelines trying to suck in the oxygen, rest and re recuperate to get back out of the field. I, ju I just think his leadership was there to be seen. He he's, he's been paid an enormous amount of money for a reason. And just look at the 49ers. They've lost his brother Nick. We can't afford to lose anybody of that quality. And I think he, he showed up on Sunday. Yep. I, 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 mate, big name, big performance, a lot of cash. So, you know, Fair play. Um, last but not least, Dan, who have you got for us? Well, speaking of big names and big performances, I don't think we can um, look at Defensive Player of the Week without considering the man who facilitated everything, Damien Square. I mean, <laughs> How's that? There are Damien no words Square. right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> Come on. 
I, so you guys, is is it your guys' lot in life to get me triggered today? Because I'm already on it. I don't know if you've seen my Twitter feed this morning, but I, I, I've been on one today, and you guys are just uh, – you're not helping. That's it. All right. I need some more coffee. <laughs> Come on. Just, justify it, Dan. Justify okay, it. Okay. So it, it's really only one play, um, and that is the aforementioned block um, that Jerry Tillery made um, in <laughs> – in the build-up to that, you've got um, Damien Square next to him on the line, pushing Tillery to the right, getting him to line up not over the centre, but over the guard. And if Damien Square hadn't moved Jerry Tillery on that play, Jerry Tillery wouldn't have got that block, or it would have been a penalty. Um, on a more serious note, I'd go for someone like Murray or White. Both played really well at linebacker. Both got involved with tackles. I think they're both in double-digit tackles, and Murray had a pass deflection. But really, it's Damien Square. <laughs> Amazing! I'm putting it on. Let's see if the public can. Uh, you might have a bit. I, I, I'm just going to vote for that now. Just that shit. <laughs> <laughs> respect, respect. I love it, um, guys. We're going to uh, listeners. We're going to be putting this to you. You get to decide which of us uh, has chosen the play of the week, and we'll announce that uh, Friday, ready for the weekend ahead. Um, congratulations, guys, who won last week. Um, we're going to move on. The listeners have been in touch. We've had some great questions, um, some fiery ones. And I'm going to start off with the most contentious one that Twitter has been raging about today. Um, in particular, uh, myself, I've been quite active talking about it. And John, I know you've been all over this this topic. The question from James in Florida is this. Was Anthony Lynn right to name Tyrod Taylor as his number one quarterback, despite Herbert's performances against the Chiefs? I'm going to throw that out to John. Go on. I'm just going to get some sandwiches. So I think if we take a step back and really think about this logically, Anthony Lynn should be fired if he thinks that Tyrod Taylor makes this offense better. If he thinks that Justin Herbert isn't the guy to lead the team now. Maybe I agreed with him in the beginning of preseason. I wrote plenty of things saying how much I believed in Tyrod Taylor. I wrote that he was going to have a career year here. I was all in on the Tyrod Taylor hype train. And then week one came with all the preparation and all of the hype. And he fell on his face. He laid an egg. The entire offense was bad. It stalled. They should have lost that game. Thankfully, we got a lucky break going our way. Um, two, if you call, if you count the offensive pass interference, which isn't always called in the NFL. So we got lucky that we had Hayward with doing a great job selling that. But we come away with that win barely by the skin of our teeth. The majority of fans came away thinking that felt more like a loss than a win just because of how poorly the offense played. Questioning, can this team win against other teams, better teams than the Bengals with that kind of an offense? So I, I got over it. I started to get myself you know, positive, thinking, okay, maybe Tarad can be better. Maybe the offense can be better. Let's get some positivity going into game two. And all of a sudden, the hero, the white knight, riding in on the stallion with his beautiful golden locks flowing behind him, <laughs> takes, comes under center and says, I'm Justin Herbert, and I'm here to impress. And he did nothing but impress the entire time. I mean, yes, he made rookie mistakes. He's a rookie. They're going to do that. But you know what? I don't care. I don't I don't care about Lynn's 
you know, discipleship to the turnover battle. That's great. But guess what? You know what? Turnovers don't win games. If you have 10 turnovers but score six points, guess what? You're going to lose more than you win. That's just a fact. I don't care. You need to score points. You need to move the ball. You need to have time of possession. When you had Herbert out there, that offense was moving along. They had over 10 minutes of extra time of possession over the Chiefs. They had 30 seconds of time of possession over the Bengals. Why is that? Offense kept stalling. Offense kept not being able to move the ball. With with Herbert in there, they had a 10-minute drive. Let that sink in. They got the ball... And 10 minutes of game clock later, they finally gave it up. You, you, that is just something that's going to win you games. Having the ball more than your other team is generally going to win. Yes, they were playing the defending champions. Yes, that's Patrick Mahomes, and he doesn't really need a lot of time to score. We know that. That's why they ended up losing. But the point is, Justin Herbert puts you in the best scenario to win. I only thought that he should sit because... I thought, looking at the tape coming out of Oregon, he had a lot of things to work on. What are those things he needed to work on? Well, for one, he was really a one-read quarterback. Well, guess what? So was Tyrod Taylor in week one. But guess what I saw in week two? I saw him moving through progressions. I saw him hitting his third and sometimes fourth uh, target there. That is not something we saw at Oregon, and that is something that he looks great doing. I was worried he wasn't going to be able to read defense and how, how he was going to handle it being under center when he was at shock on the majority of his time in Oregon. Guess what? He was under center fine. He made, he made great decisions at the line. They even had guys like Eckler coming out on social media saying, hey, you know what? He was like Phil Purvis out there diagnosing the defense and calling checkdowns. I'm sorry, What? I'm sorry, you're telling me this rookie who, don't, who was taking zero first-team snaps is out there diagnosing defenses? Yeah, sounds like that's not a problem. I was worried about uh, some mechanics and accuracy issues. Well, guess what? Pep Hamilton for president. Pep Hamilton for president. Herbert looks so good out there. I mean, his footwork, the base. I mean, his solid base when looking to throw, his arm movement, everything looked great. And you know what? It showed up. Yeah, he had a few misfires. Those are going to happen. But you know what he wasn't throwing at? He wasn't throwing at a 52% completion rate like Tyrod was. And that's a veteran who's been doing this for years. No, Herbert has come in and he has addressed all of those question marks. So for me, what is left for him to answer? You know what's left for him to answer? turnovers okay well guess what you're not working on turnovers in practice i mean how how is this playing with the second and third string gonna help him with his turnovers no he needs live game action you can't take a guy like herbert and put him back down on the bench he's got nothing to learn there yes he can learn things but he can learn those things starting as well his confidence was unwavered and you know what it's i think it's time that we all admit that you know what we were wrong who were who are all about sitting Herbert. We were wrong. The kid is 100% ready to start now. He looked way better than Joe Burrow in week one. In fact, I think he looked way better than Joe Burrow in week two. And guess what? Joe Burrow was the starting quarterback from day one in Cincinnati. So I'm sorry. I just, I cannot get behind a decision that to me is rooted in, oh, Tyrod's my guy and I'm going to stick to him no matter what. That's great, Lynn. I'm glad that the locker room loves you because you stick by your guys. And that's, you know, that's admirable. But at some point you need to look at the situation and go, you know what? That's great for Tyrod, but Herbert gives you the best chance to win because he scores Joe. points and points win no. games. Done. Let, 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 let me Get just, out, let me just jump in there. I want to put a different hat on here. I, I agree with basically a lot of that uh, rhetoric there. Um, I'm now going to speak with my neutral hat on. 
it, it, it comes across to me, my, my reading of this whole situation is Tom Telesco and Anthony Lynn got their heads together in the off-season and said, look, this is going to be the narrative for the franchise. We need to replicate what Alex Smith and Pat Mahomes did at Kansas City. And I think if they start chopping and changing, they're going to seem they're going to come across as indecisive. And I think that's where Lynn is sticking to his guns. I think it's principle over facts and actual execution on the field. That that's my take of it. Um, but unfortunately, the fans are getting a bit restless. We all want to see exciting football. I'm going to throw a question out to all three of you. Right? Do you want to see the Chargers end the season four and twelve and see some really exciting football and rookie mistakes, or do you want us to go eight and eight and win by two field goals or a field goal every week? And that's that's the thing that needs answering because certain football teams are just happy with a win. Chargers want to see progression. We want to see the team of twenty eighteen. People are not interested. They're paying good money for either Game Pass or merchandise or season tickets. They don't want, they're not interested in a project building for tomorrow. They want it today. And I think a lot of fans do that. They see the Chiefs are going to dominate for the next 10 years while Pat Mahomes is under centre. Okay? It's it's up to us now. There's only the Raiders uh, and and Chargers are really in a position to derail the Chiefs at this point in time. And and if we we don't uh, progress on the field... You know, we're going to end. We're going to end up missing January football again. Um, but it, it's a case of what does the front office want? What do the, what does the uh, fan base want? And I don't think the two strategies or, or, or the two aspirations are compatible at this moment in time. Right. Are you no. ready for this? Are you sat down? <laughs> are you? Have you got your flat jacket on? John, sit down. You've had too much smooth Costa Rican ground coffee. Get out. Was take your water. Go drink it somewhere else. I'm not having it, either of you. You're wrong. Absolutely wrong. Lynn's a genius. I'll tell you why Lynn's a genius, and this is the right move to make. Number one, Justin Herbert comes out with zero expectation, zero pressure, no knowledge he's starting, and he exceeds those expectations, but he makes some rookie mistakes. What do you do? Number one, uh, yeah, uh, Herbert's my, my QB1 now. What does that do? demotivates Tyrod. You can't go back on your decision. If Herbert stinks up the place, you can't suddenly put Tyrod back in unless you want to embarrass the franchise. It completely would demotivate the guy. You'll lose your your, your veteran, your leader in a locker room. Um, you have to make that decision and make it once and for all. Number two, you give your pan- the Panthers and every other single team we're going to play this season the chance to get in the study room and go, they're not playing Turrod, we're going to focus on Justin and we're going to put together a special blitz package, everything he's never seen in Oregon, just focus on destroying the rookie's confidence and beating him. I'll tell you what, rookies can be good, but you can game plan specifically for them. We knew Burrow, we knew he was starting, we had a game plan for him and apart from him breaking one run because uh, Adley couldn't bloody avoid his own man, it, we, we defeated him. Um, and I'm sorry, you don't throw Justin Herbert into that situation. You keep your opponents guessing. The Panthers right now are going, right, we have to divide our time equally between uh, planning against what Turo can do and planning what Justin Herbert could do. They can't commit to an attack on the rookie. They can't commit to some sort of game plan against a really sort of edge-down-the-field kind of uh, Turod game plan. So... That puts them on the back foot and gives us an advantage. It keeps him 
It keeps options open for the team. It takes all the pressure off and protects the young quarterback. There's no pressure on the lad. You aren't our QB1 yet, mate. You're still learning. And you know what it does? It allows him to go into each game with two QB1s, QB1A and QB1B. Start with Turon on the, on, on the, on the field as your team leader and, and, and let him edge down the field. Oh, Justin Herbert's in now. Right, we're launching it long to Mike Williams in the end zone. Um, mix and match. Both quarterbacks on the field I'd like to see. This is perfect leadership from the from the long-term amazing coach that is Anthony Lynn, who has done exactly the right thing by telling Turrod he's number one, telling the rookie, mate, well done. But one summer, I don't know, what's the saying? Jesus Christ, what's the saying? One something does not make a summer. One swallow does not make a summer. So come back when you've done it several times. Ease yourself in. I'll protect you in the meantime. Well done, Anthony Lynn. The right choice. John and John, I've no idea what they're talking about. Dan, Dan, back me up. I'm, I'm not quite with you, but I'm nearly there. Oh. I'm nearly there. So I think Lynn's done the right thing. Um, the person I'm siding with most here is actually a former Chargers doctor, um, Dr. David Chow, um, who's put out a piece this evening talking about the injury that Tyrod has, or Tyrod even, and the complications from the nerve blocker that he took, saying that the nerve blocker has a known side effect of um, affecting <laughs> breathing in the lungs. Yeah, it, it has, it has a, a known side effect because the nerve it targets is so close to the lungs and quite deep. Um, and that in saying that um, Tyrod is our guy, Tyrod's going to be the starter, he's, he's qualified that by saying Tyrod will be the starter if he's 100%. Now, Dr. Chow doesn't think there's any chance of Taylor being 100% this coming week, um, not only from recovering from his um, side effects from that injection, he's still got the pre-existing rib injury there. And if he takes another hit, he's more likely to relapse in that injury. So I think Lynn's looked at this and gone, right, there's no way Taylor's going to be 100%, but I can't just throw Taylor under the bus. Tyrod's uh, my guy. I'll say if he's 100%, he's our starter. Because it then gives him that extra week to make the decision and go, okay, I've said if he's 100%, he's our starter. He's not 100%, we'll put Herbert in. And then if Herbert... Um, plays like that again then i think you look at it again and reassess but until tyrod's 100 percent, i don't think he'll be starting i think we'll see herbert this week and i think he's going to have a much easier game this week um not to tip my hat to my thoughts on the panthers game um but i think i think <laughs> lynn's done it as tactfully as he can to just be like tyrod's my guy but we're not going to put him in unless we can and I don't think they'll feel like they can. Well, so Dan's 100% behind me. I'm going to ignore <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, guys, I, I, I actually have even a bit of a conspiracy theory here. I don't think there's any lung injury. I think he said to, to Turod, right, mate, you're, you're my guy. And I'm, I'm drafting this rookie. And, you know, we're going to work together and we're going to bring him on. Uh, and that's part of why we have you here as a veteran, as a, a great guy that can, he can learn from. But I'm going to want him to start some games. But I don't want to tell the league that and I don't want to tip my hat. So you're going to have a mystery, magical chest illness with a random side effect that was known. Wink, wink, nod, nod. And you'll be sitting for this game. Uh, then you'll be fit for these games. And then maybe this game I'll let him play. St- stay, off, stay, stay off that strongbow, buddy. Or, or check this actually strongbow in that can, yeah? <laughs> 
<laughs> no one's no. over me on that one. Okay, I'll put my tinfoil hat back out, back away. Guys, I think it's important that you know, as um, as we were talking about from that uh, pro football doc, Dr. Chow. Um, if you don't know this, and I was I was in medical marketing for many years and uh, in ophthalmology, which is eye surgery, and I've seen a block happen in the eye, which is really gnarly. But basically, a block is a really large needle. Um, that is jammed into the body and you put a local uh, anesthesia there. And what it does is it blocks the nerves from, from basically transferring the information of pain being in that area. So it's a local area to keep, to keep the pain from really showing up in one specific area. So, um, it is very scary to watch. Uh, it is, it is not, it is scary to get, uh, and if they are done poorly, that could be self-service. So I think we, we also I know we're joking here, but let's have a little bit of sympathy and empathy for, for Tyrod. What, if he's having a reaction, that's not good. No. And, you know, another thing to consider is the fact that if he is having a negative reaction to it, it means he can't get another one, which means he's going to, if he's trying to play at not a hundred percent and he's got that injury, he's, he's what, he's going to take some friggin' some Advil going into the game. Like what's he going to do? Because the reason you do a block is because you want to specifically say, hey, I'm going to numb this one area because it hurts so bad. Well, if it hurts that bad that you want to get a giant needle poked into your ribs, uh, you're probably not going to want to play with that injury if, if you don't have that kind of anesthesia. I mean, I just I, I don't know how effective Tyrod can be if he is injured. So, you know, regardless of if you think he should be the starter or shouldn't be the starter, if he's at all in pain, I don't think he I think for his own health, he should not play. Yeah, the, the, the um, league's know, tough think, enough. Again, I, I don't want to make I don't want to make light of that with this conspiracy theory stuff. And, it, and that's it, funny. And I get it. I just don't make I don't want to make light of something that is a serious condition. The the, the, the league is hard enough as it, as it is. It. The, the league is hard enough as it is without people playing, uh, you know, 90, 80, 70%, especially as a quarterback where you, you're the number one target for the defence. So, you know, let's see how this one plays out. Let's see what as, happens. Especially with it being a chest injury as well, because you know a chest injury isn't just affecting your chest. It's affecting your motion. It's affecting your movement. It's affecting your upper body. Did, did he not? As well as his running ability. Who? So he's picked this injury up in training, I believe. Which Allegedly. you're not supposed to hit the quarterback with the red jersey on. Hey, oh, hey, we move on. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony then yeah. tackles him. Herbert's time. <laughs> uh, um, right, I, I, I think we've we've come to a no conclusion there, but uh, we'll um, we'll put it to a poll. It will go to go up to Twitter, see what they think. But uh, we've made some uh, passionate. We've defended our case passionately. Um, number two, though, a little bit of a different topic, and out of the blue, I think you might say. But uh, DZ on Twitter asks. Do we need a better kicker? The Chiefs won because they had... How do you say his name? Butker. Butner. Harrison Butker. Harry, yeah. Harry so, Butker. Harrison Butker. So Harrison Butker, elite, nails long um, field goals three times at the end of the game to win, to win during the game as well. Absolutely incredible. Respect there. Uh, wins them the game. Um, if you go back a few years, they had Janikowski on the Raiders. Wow, you know what a leg he got within... Uh, certain distance and you guaranteed the Raiders points and I remember watching him his leg defeaters a few times we've struggled with kickers recently and I thought with Money Badger we might have something um, but he's been missing uh, he's been missing kicks the team don't seem like they, they trust him from distance do we need to improve at this position hang on a minute or, uh, or am I uh, is DZ over he's uh, 100% in week 2 and 75% conversion in, in week 1 I don't see what the issue is 
Move on. Next question. Yeah, but do, do, do the team do, do the team do the team trust him from distance? They don't seem to be willing to uh, to let him have a have a pop from from distance. Um, or, yeah. or are we looking at it too deeply? I've noticed that too. Um, you know, if they're John. less than fifty yards, I think they're willing to let him go ahead and kick it. But once you get to that around that fifty yard or longer field goal mark, they seem to be more apt to go for it on fourth down if it's like a fourth and short. Um, you know, rather than try to kick it. Um, Except in overtime. So, uh, yeah, well, in overtime, they weren't in a kicking situation. They were in a, you know, 80-yard 80, 80 field goal situation. So I don't think they let him kick there. My point is I, I don't I don't know if they have 100% faith in his ability to hit 50-plus yarders, um, which, is ner- which is concerning because we're going to be in that situation that we were in Sunday, but the opposite, where we're going to have a chance to come and win the game in OT. Um and we end up having to kick like you know a 50 plus yarder and are we going to feel confident in our kicker because i'll tell you right now people you know talking about that butker kick and that killing us and yeah that does suck but if butker had missed that 58 yarder that puts us basically you know 15 yards away from being within an easy field goal range of ourselves so if we're in the same situation and we can't rely on our kicker to make a 50 plus yarder and he shanks one from 53 well now you've got now it's ot the next points win and you've given a very very short field to the, your opponents. So I think it is something that they need to look at. I mean, yeah, he's been money, and I don't really want to have to go looking for another kicker after just the abysmal kickers we had before him. Um, so I, I don't want to say, hey, you know, screw him, let's get a new one. But it does have to be concerned that we have to, you know, if, if we don't think that he's got the leg and accuracy from 50-plus yards. Dan, new kicker. Nah, mate. Nah, that's crazy. I'm a big believer in, in, um, in money badger. But um, you know who I do like? Um, it's that guy they've got over in Atlanta. He's 100% this season. Uh, what's his name? Young Way Koo. Um, <laughs> a good team would have him, yeah. <laughs> he's he's never missed a 50-plus yarder in his career. That's, that's depressing, Young Way Koo, and it, even... <laughs> although it was a bit more... Um, with a bit more animosity, Josh Lambeau. Also hasn't missed a fifty-plus yard uh, look, look so at, far this season or last season. Look at Gotskowski that you know he was signed for a reason. Unflappable is it? Like in week one or week two, he missed four field goal attempts. Oh yeah, it, it happens. It's an unfor- it's an unforgivable uh, skill position, kicking. You know, um, and and I suppose the other thing is that seldom any wind in that SoFi Stadium. It's not like if you go up to uh, Soldier Field or or Lambo where you got that Arctic air coming in, gusting at, at 40, 50 knots at times. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's it, it's nothing we need to be concerned with right now. Yeah, I mean, he's... DZ... I was just going to say, he's, um, you, you look at um, Money Badger, and he's, he's, he's not had the best of time over 50 yards, but we also haven't made that many attempts over 50 yards. Uh, you look back at last season, he made... He attempted 16 field goals across the season. Only one of them was above 50 yards. So I think it comes to what um, John was saying when it comes down to the coaching decisions of whether you go for it in that longer range or or go for the kick. So he's he's not had that many chances to hit a 50-plus yarder. So he doesn't have that many successes. So we, we keep touching on coaching decisions and the the trust they may or may not have in players and how they manage the quarterback situation how they manage the clock um so um we've had a twitter question a few people have thrown this out so thank you for the for the, the comments we had 
um, from Adam AMZ and and Zach um, on Twitter. Thank you for for your for your questions, um, guys. I'm going to make you the coach. Anthony has gone. Time has gone back to the uh, fourth quarter, to the overtime um, of the uh, Chiefs Chargers games. You are the Chargers head coach. Congratulations. Enjoy the salary. Um, and it's fourth and one. Uh, <laughs> we're deep in our own half. It's overtime. If you punt it, you're giving it back to Mahomes and we've seen what happens. Uh, I've, Twitter have answered this. I'll, I'll withhold their what their decision is. But I'm going to throw it out to, to you, Was. Um, you're I'll tell you. I'll stop you right there. I'll tell you right it. now. They're going for it, and if they don't, I'm docking everybody twenty percent of their salary to charity. Okay, you're there to the offense is there to move the chains. It's a fourth and one. If you can't get aggressive and make a play against the Super Bowl champions to put you in a position to win the game, that was really disappointing for me. Conservative on home field, blow my chance prediction of sweeping the Chiefs. So it's a loss as well, but you've got to go for it. It's, it's got, on you, mate. Look, yeah. The Chiefs are built on they're built on speed, they're built on aggression, they're built on smart play calling, and they've obviously got the piece, uh, the pieces on the field. We had an opportunity there to put the sword to their throat and take the game, and you could argue we bottled it, and that's really depressing. It's easy to sit here. We're yeah. not under pressure. We're not the ones on the sideline making the calls at that specific time. I mean. Coach Lynn has had a lot to deal with on on Sunday. You know, you know, chucking Herbert in as a starting quarterback for you, you know, uh, for point one, and then there's, there's a number of things that are going through his mind. And for whatever reason, he opted not to go for it. But everybody all day long saying, "Yeah, you need to go for that," and anybody that disagrees, well, we lost the game because we didn't go for it. John, what do you think? So this is a tough one for me, but I think, um, you know, there's actually valid points on each side. I mean, the, the defense had had some success in stopping Mahomes, but at the end of the day, in that fourth quarter, it seems like they really couldn't stop him. Um, you know, and all it takes is, you know, one stop, one turnover, one, you know, one major penalty, theoretically, um, to put... Kansas City in a tough situation where they can't convert and they have to punt back to you. So I definitely see the logic there. But for me, if I'm if I'm looking at it, we, we've already we're already 50% on the day on fourth down conversions. I think I think I probably do go for it. I, I think I don't let Shane Steichen make the call because he's just going to want to do a power run up the middle um, with either Eckler or <laughs> probably with Eckler actually. Um, so I'm not letting Sykin make the call because he's going to call the most mundane, boring, predictable thing you can, and they're just going to get stopped. You are all over these. I'm sorry. You are all I don't... over these uh, these these cheat, uh, trainers, aren't you? You're all, uh, I don't... all up on them. I, I honestly, I believe that the coaching lost the game yesterday. I think the. I think the conservativeness, once they had the lead in the fourth quarter, I think the inability to be creative, the inability to want to take risks and just want to quote unquote protect the ball and protect the lead. I think that's why they lost, you know, someone, one of the greatest coaches in the history of the NFL, Bill Belichick. And I hate the Patriots and I hate to say that, but he is, you know what he does in fourth quarters. He goes for the jugular. He doesn't stop doing what he doesn't stop getting creative. He doesn't stop going for, for touchdowns. He puts the pedal to the metal to keep the other team from being able to get back into the, the game. 
And to me, that's the reason they lost, not the turnover. Yes, that sucked. Yes, that was hard, but it was not the turnover why they lost. Okay, it, it wasn't rookie mistakes. It wasn't penalties. It was taking the foot off the gas in the fourth quarter and overtime and allowing Patrick Mahomes to be Patrick Mahomes. You know, that to me is why they lost. So I'm not giving them any credit. You know, I'm not letting them <laughs> off the hook. You know, all, at, on Twitter, you see a lot of the, the veterans going out there saying, hey, this is on me or we should have played better. We never should have lost. You know, they're taking the responsibility and good on them. You know, that's great on them. And in, in fact, that's probably part of Lynn's culture that he's created. So good for Lynn for creating that culture. But he and Sykin also need to step up and say, you know what? We we screwed up. We didn't we didn't do the right things at the end. We didn't call the right game. We didn't call the right plan. We didn't do the right things. But you know what? I haven't heard anything from either of those no, coaches taking the blame point. they've been blaming herbert they've been blaming the defense or whatever they've been blaming the free, whatever they want to blame i don't know they they just have not been taking the responsibility and to me that is inexcusable you are the head coach you're the offensive coordinator the the team that you threw out there in the first half is a completely different team than you threw out there in the second half and that is on the coaches 100 percent yeah so yes i'm probably going for it and and that's only because i've already fired shane syken and i'm the coach <laughs> uh, i i'm with you both i think i think you go for it i think fourth and one you at least put the offense out there try and get them to get the raiders not raiders the chiefs to jump offside um if it doesn't happen you've still got the timeout. take the time out Give Herbert that extra 30 seconds of prep. Let him go out there. Have a look at the defense. Call an audible if needed. He's done it already. And then just go for it. I mean, if you're putting the Chiefs offense back out there, you're accepting that you, you're going to struggle. You're giving them the chance to win. If you, don't, if you do go for it and you don't get it, you're also giving them the chance to win. It's quicker. It's less painful. The Chiefs, <laughs> Chiefs are going to go for a blitz out there in fourth and one. Yeah. So you counter that. Yeah, you, you you scheme for that. It's in your playbook. It's easier said than done to execute, but that's what's going to happen. Mate, the thing is, is that at the beginning he went for it with Herbert. Uh, he went for the touchdown. He rejected the, uh, the the field goal attempt, and that was a potentially losing three points that could have won us the game. Um, he wanted to be bold and and mean and come at the Chiefs, and then all of a sudden at the end of the uh, uh, in overtime. Uh, he doesn't want to go for it. He he wants to punt. Um, you've got this amazing opportunity to to, as you've said, Bill Belichick it and and stomp your foot on the Chiefs and say no, Super Bowl champions or not, I don't care. We are winning this game. And if you lose, you can turn around and say, it's our house, and we we want to send a message and well done to the to the Chiefs. Um, and 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 I think he he wimped out. Whoever's decision it was. Can I just jump in there? Embarrass themselves. If we could, no. we could see on TV that the the defense, our defense, are looking tired. Surely it's up to the likes of Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, to communicate to Gus Bradley and say, "Look, you need to speak to the, the, the gaffer. You need to speak to Shane Steichen. Go for this because we're getting gassed and we haven't got a lot of energy left. And it's Pat Mahomes with the football." Surely that conversation has been had on the sideline. Please tell me that's that's at least been discussed, and the players haven't sat there and, and said nothing. The senior the senior um, players on, on that defensive unit have got the right to speak up. The captains have got a right to speak up. John, are you with me? I don't know if I believe that they should be saying, "Hey, we're tired. Don't don't let us win the game." Because I think as a competitor, you're always saying, "Look." 
we're going to do this. We just need to stop them one time, you know? And I think having enough rest, they could have done that if they had managed to stop them on a three and out. Um, but yeah, they got tired because they had to stop a prolonged, uh, you know, thing. And, you know, it almost worked out. I mean, Butker had to kick a 58-yard field goal. That is not easy. Like, no, let's not twice. forget. I know he made it look easy. It is not easy. It is very hard to kick 58-yard field goals. A lot of teams with a 58-yard field goal in front of them will either punt or they'll go for a Hail Mary if they need points. You know, yeah, they won't kick the 58-yard field goal because it's such a low percentage. There's only two kickers in the league I think I'd trust with that, and it's Butker and Tucker. And past that, I, I, I don't know. I don't think there's much chance. No, I'm right with you. And I, I, I the only problem I've got is... You know, I, th- I think you said a message, um, and I think we missed the chance to send a message. And I don't think any of us would be that upset if they'd stuffed us and we would have lost, compared to f- the feeling you get that we've 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 chickened out and we've lost momentum. And and now that we're talking about not going for it on fourth and one, and we're talking about sitting Herbert and starting Tyrod, and it feels different. Um, but but so then we, that, we had, we had chances to win the game in nor- in in uh, regulation. You know, that's the other thing. The other, the other side of the coin, yep. you know, we, we're being very harsh here, uh, but it's a debate and we're speaking our minds. <laughs> well, guys, we're going to move on. We're going to turn away from the loss and forget about it. We've had our time. Eckler said he woke up at 3 a.m. and uh, he was still worrying about decisions he'd made on the field and that uh, he gave himself 24 hours to, to, to mull it over and then moved on uh, to the Panthers. So we'll move on to the Panthers. Guys, um, let's start off. Christian McCaffrey is officially out for several weeks. He won't be playing their biggest player, probably the best running back in the NFL. Um, and, uh, besides you know, Josh Kelly. My, besides Josh Kelly, the main <laughs> man. Um, he's out. How big is it going to be? Can, our, can our defence uh, stop their own? Oh, do we have the upper hand It's, now? it's a massive loss. For any team, McCaffrey of his, of his ability. Um, I've been watching tape today of the Panthers and I'm struggling. I'm struggling to find positives. Robbie Anderson, 233 yards this season. DJ Moore had, had a poor week one, 120 yards last week. That's that's the only that's that's the positives I'm taking away. We talk about poor poor play calling, okay? The Panthers on week two were ten points down. On a fourth and I think it was a fourth and second went for a field goal. It's it's the same sort of scenario as the Chiefs Chargers. You know Matt Rule's got an uphill battle on his hands. I think in, in the uh, NFC South and Bridgewater is taken too many sacks already. Five sacks they gave up on on uh, Sunday against Tampa Bay and the Panther def- Panthers defense is sponsored by Coke Zero because that's the number of sacks they've got this season zero. So I, I don't want to write the uh, Panthers off, but this is a really winnable game. The Chargers six and a half uh, against spread favorites. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> well, uh, I think I think you make some good points there. Uh, number one is it, I I too have sat down and watched some Carolina games, which was not fun. Um, their defense is not that good, and I know that they've actually put up some pretty decent numbers as far as stopping the pass. But if you're watching games, they're not stopping the pass; they're just getting gashed 
by running backs that and they're giving up leads too early and quickly that the other teams don't really need to pass it. They're like, well, I mean, if I can just keep handing it off to my running back, he's going to get five to seven yards to carry. Why am I going to bother to throw in the ball? It makes no sense. You know, so I, I think that that is something that the Chargers especially can uh, are going to be able to exploit because, you know, both games, I thought the Chargers have done a really good job running the ball. It hasn't been the most creative and it hasn't been the most glamorous, but they've done a good job pounding the rock. And I think against a, a defense like this, which it looks to be soft up the middle and the sides against the run, I think that that I think Eckler is probably going to score his first touchdown, um, his first rushing touchdown of the season, because I think he's going to get to the edge and I think he's just going to blow everybody away. I think he's going to, I think Kelly probably uh, racks in another touchdown uh, short, probably within like a 10, 10 to 12 yard kind of, kind of run. Uh, I just think that this, I think our O-line has done a really good job up front, uh, creating holes and creating space for the running back. So I, I really think that that's, they're going to be susceptible to that. And without Christian McCaffrey, their only real scary weapon, that offense is just not, I don't know. It's just not an offense. I'm scared of Teddy Bridgewater does not scare me. He did not scare me coming into the season. He's, he's a conservative guy. He's not a runner, obviously by all the sacks. He, he's more of a statue than anything. And he's the kind of guy like, you know, we were getting pressure on Mahomes, but he was escaping the pocket and making us look bad. <laughs> That's not Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater has taken the sack. So, I mean, this could be a, a five to seven sack game uh, for Bosa alone uh, if they keep playing the way they are. So it just, it, altogether, this offense does not scare me. Nothing about this team scares me right now. I've watched every Panthers game since the Jimmy Clausen year, and this is one of the worst, probably since that year. Um, since Cam Newton came into the league, this is this is safely the worst Panthers squad. Um, they lost, what, Olsen, Keekley in the past few years, Thomas Davis, um, one-time charger, and they're left with not a lot. They've got um, an O-line that is, is made up of Russell Okung and Michael Schofield, players we know the strengths and weaknesses of, players our coaches know the strengths and weaknesses of. And you look at their their production has come through three, maybe four players this year so far. And that is not their tight end, who has two targets and two catches this year. Um, but you look at... Robbie Anderson, who has massive yardage stats because he had a uh, a 75-yard play last week. Um, you have DJ Moore, who is a legit good, fast receiver. You've got Curtis Samuel, who is fast. Um, that, that's about it. And then uh, they've had Christian McCaffrey. Without Christian McCaffrey, all they've got is the pass. Michael Davis is not a good backup running back. Um, he is terrible at blocking as evidence from this last game against the Bucks. Now granted they're going up against a good Bucks defense, but they're going up against a good Chargers defense. And I don't see Mike Davis being able to put in any chip blocks to stop Bosa or Ingram getting to Teddy. Um and so they're going to be left with the pass. And their best bet is either short passes that the guys just then peg it or long deep passes. And I think pairing them up against um our corners and hey bringing Michael Davis there like with his um his resurgence this week um that you've got you've got some some good matchups for the Chargers and I don't see any way their O-line stops any of our defense I mean I think they gave up six sacks against the Bucks um and yeah I, I'm not concerned about this game my wife who is a long-time Panthers fan 
is definitely concerned about this game, especially as it's on her birthday and she's going to have quite an upsetting evening, I think, what, watching, that, that, watching what's Trey the, Boston and Corn Elder that's try a, and chase down Keenan Allen. That's a good segue. Uh, what's the uh, what's the feeling inside the Panthers' sort of fan base at the minute about the season? Are they worried? <laughs> the yeah. view, the view it's, from it's the other side. Um, but I think that's in part to McCaffrey going down. Um, that I know she's concerned they don't really have much in the way of a defense. Yes, they've used their picks on defensive players. And Brian Burns and Derek Brown, for the last two first-round picks they've had, have looked good so far this year. Um, Burns, De- Derek Brown gave up a silly penalty, though, didn't he? Unnecessary he did, roughness. He uh, yeah, just... A rookie I mistake. Was, yeah, yeah. But they'll... I, and I know if Ron Rivera was there still, he'd coach it out of him pretty quickly. Yeah. I don't know about Matt Rule. She doesn't know a lot about Matt Rule. She doesn't really trust Teddy Bridgewater so far. A lot of his passes have come out looking quite wobbly. Um, and I think there's definite luck on some of some of his passes so far that he's had fast players who are getting to the ball. He's underthrowing, he's overthrowing. It's just, he's throwing. <laughs> he's throwing a lot. And I don't think that's a good look for them. Um, their linebackers, I think, is what she's concerned about, and their secondary, because they lost James Bradbury to New York, I think, um, which means their their number one corner is Dante Jackson, who is temperamental at best. He got a pick this week, but I don't think they can rely on him, um, matureness wise and ability wise. So that's a six-three win to the Chargers then on Sunday. <laughs> Uh, 3-0. 3-0. You know, what are we thinking, guys, though, in terms of how are we actually going to to, to score points against this team? How are we going to put up points? If Turod is our starter, what are we going to do? What's our game plan to to defeat their terrible, as I think we all agree, defence? John? I think like I, I think like we were talking about before I think you just I think we're going to run it down their throats. I think the I think the game plan is going to be just run run run, throw the occasional play action, occasional quick quick toss, um, swing pass, that kind of stuff, but I, I ultimately I think that regardless of who the QB is, I think the game plan going into the game is, you know, they're susceptible to the run just run it down their throats. So I think it's a good game plan. I think it's conservative. Um, you know, my, my only worry is that they leave themselves exposed to a late comeback like they did against the Bengals. So I'm hoping that they can, uh, they can turn it around and, and make a better effort than uh, they did against Cincinnati. Dan, what are you looking forward to seeing most? Are you looking forward to seeing Kelly or Herbert, uh, Tyrod? What are, what are you thinking will be the keys for our, for our offensive uh, if you'd asked me last week, I would have said taking away McCaffrey, but um, but the Bucks did that for us. Um, unfortunately, um, I think it's going to be uh, just getting the receivers out in space. I don't think there's much competition there from the linebackers or the secondary. I think we'll be able to get Mike Williams going in this game. Uh, with Herbert, it would be great to see them get going. I, I fully believe it will be Herbert throwing deep to Williams. Um, I, I, I believe it, but I, I'm, I'm hoping that that's what we see. Yeah, I hope so too. I think we need to get Williams involved. We we haven't seen uh, a lot from him and I've been disappointed by that. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to as well. I think we need to get the hands in uh, in our QB1, which is Turod. He needs to, to not turn over the ball and we need to trust our coaches. Isn't that right? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trolling. Um, you know, was am I, am I, am I far off though? You know, what, what do you see different? Well, do you think? Look, um, we th- this is a must-win game for both teams. 
the Panthers are in danger of, of being a foot the NFC South. We're already um, two games behind, or a game behind the the Chiefs and the Raiders. We've got to win. We've got to stay in contention. We need to be looking at, at clinching a, um, a you know wild card spot. We we can't afford to give this game up. This is a winnable game. We need a fast start, and we need to come out in, in the second half with, with the same momentum and the same cadence as, as we as we ended the first half with. But I'm just not sure what we're going to get. If Tyra comes back in under centre, are we going to see the same old offence that we saw against Cincinnati? Or if Justin's in, is he going to be able to put up the same sort of performance as we saw on Sunday? Um, I'm not saying I'm nervous. I'm just a bit unsure. We've, we've seen two completely different Chargers teams over two weeks. But look at the other side of the coin. The Panthers have been consistently bad. So... Pardon the pun, the ball's in our court. We're on home turf. We should not be going 0 and 2 in our new stadium. So let, let's see what happens. I'm just a bit I'm just a bit concerned with uh Bozer looked in, in quite a bit of pain. If you saw the interview with him at the end of the game after Chiefs, his tricep was wrapped up, packed with ice. Um so it'd be interesting to see how he recuperates and recovers. Because he's gonna be massively influential getting to Teddy Bridgewater on Sunday. I want to see Melvin Ingram with a sack as well. Uh, so I think that we're going to win this game. I think 24-10 is, is a realistic scoreline. We don't know who's going to start in the centre, so I don't want to start saying we're going to drop 30 on the Panthers, which the other two teams have done, uh, the Raiders and, and the Bucks. But we should really be winning this game. Let's clear up the silly penalties. Uh, I think did Melvin jump offside twice against the Chiefs? I don't know if that Bosa, was just the actual. Bosa jumped offside just, three times, and Ingram yeah, once. I think. I, I, I think it was. I, I think a lot of that was just down that they just wanted to win so badly. You know, it's a different offensive line that we're going to be facing uh, this week. So we just need to clear up some of that. And if Herbert comes in, let's hope that he he. Uh, cuts out some of the mistakes that he made on Sunday. Over to you, John. Yeah, it's it's hard to come up with a game prediction uh, on a Tuesday when we're recording this um, because we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. I'm going to go under the assumption that it is actually going to be Herbert uh, because I do not believe Taylor's going to be 100%. And I think that if he's not 100%, I think Glenn would, pr- Lynn would prefer that he protect himself and his body and get right. Uh, for the game versus Tampa Bay. So I do think that Herbert starts, and that's because of injury. I think Lynn, if it were up to Lynn and both guys were 100%, I do believe Lynn makes the wrong decision and lets Tyrod play um, because that's just who Lynn is. He's stubborn, and he believes in his guys. Regardless of what actually happens on the field, he still believes in his guys. So um, I do think that that's what would be the case, but I don't think Herbert's – I don't think – sorry, Tyrod's going to be 100%. So uh, for me – it's going to be Herbert out there. I think they are going to dial it back and really focus on the run, really focus on slowing the game down, letting the defense play well. Um, so I, I do think it's just going to be, for me, probably closer than it should be. Uh, but I do think it's, it's it's a pretty easy win. There's no excuses for losing this game. If they lose this game, then there need to be some really hard conversations uh, with the players and the coaches because this is not a game they should lose. Um, yeah. I think that altogether, you're looking at probably something along the lines of a 
um, of probably like a 24 to 13 kind of lead. I think 24 is about the right number. Could be down a little bit, but I do think that they score a couple touchdowns. So I think uh, 24 to 13 sounds about right to me. Um, Chargers win. Funny you say that, John, because in my um, when we did our week one to four predictions, I had the Chargers winning 24-13. I, based on starting with that score uh, and then working to where we've got to now, I'm thinking we're probably seeing something nearer to 2010 win to the Chargers. I think the Panthers will struggle with out McCaffrey. They'll get going at some point in the game, probably in the third and fourth quarter when we start playing a bit more conservatively as always, but I don't think they have that killer edge to come back and come back at us the way that Mahomes and the Chiefs did. Um, I think I think we probably see Herbert uh, and I think that, uh, as you mentioned, we probably slow th- try and slow things down for him, rely on the run a bit more. And I see us having some longer drives and just... Uh, we had that what ten minute drive in the fourth quarter this week just gone. If we, I see us doing the same kind of thing, um, getting some long drives going with runs and then short passes, uh, with the hope of opening it up downfield, taking a shot and then probably going straight back to run, run, pass, run, run, pass, uh, and we'll take a lot of time off the clock and as a result probably won't get past that twenty point mark. Yeah, yeah, it's just this one's got to be in the bag. It's like John said, no excuses. There's going to be a massive meltdown on Twitter if we lose this one. And there's going to be some serious questions got to be asked. John, do you think any of the coaching staff will get the boot if we uh, if we lose the game on Sunday? I don't think so. I, don't, I think it's going to take multiple losses uh, and multiple losses to teams we should have beaten before any changes are going to happen. Lynn is too close to his coaching staff. He's too protective of everybody around him to let somebody get fired so quickly. So I don't think there's going to be much leeway there. I, I Again, the same kind of answer I had when we were asked last week, you know, is Lynn on the hot seat at all? Uh, I think the answer is still until they start to lose a lot of games and until they're probably at the end of the season on track to lose as many or more than they did the year before. I, I think other than that, it's going to be hard for me to think that they, they let anybody go. I think if the offense continues to be a liability throughout the entire year, I think maybe they look at um, potentially letting Steichen go and hiring somebody with more experience and more credibility. Um, but I, I just, it's hard for me to think that anybody gets fired and, uh, after this game, if they lose. I don't want to talk negatively, you know, it's, it's. I think the Raiders' hot starts to seasons muddy, muddy the waters in the AFC West because it's just added a bit of pressure on us being one-on-one, you know, we, we need to get back to uh, winning ways as soon as possible. I'm not too. I'm not too focused on the Raiders, to be honest. I, I kind of want to focus on what the Chargers can control, and that's their own games. And to be honest, besides you, was there not a whole lot of people out there who had the Chargers at two and zero coming into Week Three? So I don't. Yeah, it sucks they lost, and it kind of it, it's tough because it felt like they should have won last week, and they should be two and zero. But at the end of the day, they were playing with house money. They they weren't really ever supposed to compete in that game anyway. So I think the fact that they're one and one is really not a big deal. I don't care about the Raiders. The Raiders have beat um, the Panthers, who again I don't I don't think the Panthers are very good. Um, and then they they beat the Saints, who you know we'll see. It was a very poor showing by the Saints. I think they're a better team than that. But you know, without Michael Thomas, you know Drew Brees looks 
pretty old. So, you know, I, I it's hard for me to gauge how good the Raiders really are. Um, and, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see as the, they start to play other teams. We'll see when the Raiders play Kansas City. We'll see when the Raiders play the Chargers. We'll really see, like, how good they are. Yeah. So, for me, I'm not too worried about the other teams because, again, we get to play the Chargers two times before the end of the season. So, you know, regardless of how many – as long as we stay within two games of them, if we can sweep them, we would then, of course, um, have have the wild card tiebreaker over them. So, um, I just think that it's really focusing on what – the Chargers have ahead of them and what they can control and what they can control is beating a team they're supposed to beat uh, in the Panthers. So that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. So I predict that Tarod starts. I think we're going to see Herbert mixed in occasionally. I think the Panthers will look like they have no sting. Um, I think we might, the only thing they might have is Bridgewater to more. I think we need to watch that and that they might take the, uh, the proverbial mick out of the long ball. We might finally see our secondary exposed. Um, I think they'll put up a couple of touchdowns, 14 points, but I think comfortably the Turod Herbert dual machine will uh, outperform them and it'll be 28 14 to the Chargers. Oof, that is. That has a lot of credibility to an offense that looks really bad and to a quarterback who's not that good. It's um, a beefy score. So, mate, it's coming. I'm getting excited. It's going to happen. These coaching staff, Tyrod, they're all elite. I don't think. I don't think Tyrod's <laughs> going to play though. I don't think he's 100. percent I don't think he's going to be 100. percent I think he's going to be in pain, and I, and I think Lynn's going to use that as an excuse to start, start Herbert, um, because I think that he does believe that Tyrod is the, the starter. And I think he does want Tyrod to, to finish out the season as QB one. So I think for that to happen, he understands that Tyrod has to get back to the field at hundred percent or risk re-injury. So I think Lynn will take the ball out of her, uh, out of Tyrod's hands. And I do think we see Herbert on Sunday. So um, I think that's, that's just how I, how I see it. Um, but I think that regardless of, of who plays quarterback on uh, on Sunday, again, I think it's Herbert. But if uh, Turod's 100% going into week four, it doesn't matter if, if Herbert throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns and rushes for one. I think Lynn is just too hard-headed, and I think he'll let Tyrod start um, in week four regardless <laughs> because it's his no. guy, and you know, he's, he's already decided that Tyrod's QB1, so there's nothing you're going to do to change his mind. Keep drinking the Kool-Aid, John. It's, uh, it's all a ploy. It's all the genius mind of Anthony Lynn. <laughs> on that note guys um, where are you on the socials uh, endzone85 I'd just like to give a big shout out to Curtis Egan and Lee Wakefield uh, two of our team members on the writers roster you can find me at adroit airs hashtag audible chocolate hashtag let her be cook <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can find me at UK LA Chargers <laughs> uh, let's hope your Herbert jersey arrives soon just in time for his next start whenever that might be um, I'm at Bez the Spaniard and you can find the podcast at Charged Up Pod we want your listener interactions we want you to ask us questions come up with opinions we've had some amazing listener feedback um, so as you've heard tonight our big arguments our big debates are from questions you submit so keep them coming uh, thank you for listening and long may the Chargers have Herbert as quarterback good evening I'm just going to get some sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs>